Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the newsroom of South Coast Today, this is ST Speaks. A podcast diving deeper into the news of the day and covering hot-button issues that matter to you. You're listening to ST Speaks. Welcome to Courtside with Kurt. I'm Jennifer Driscoll, news editor at the Standard Times, and I am here with Kurt Brown. And today we are going to be talking about some change-ups at the New Bedford Police Department, in particular with the uh, narcotics unit. Hello, Kurt. Hi. Hi, Jennifer. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Good. TGIF, correct? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, so we've had uh, some major changes over at the Organized Crime Intelligence Bureau, which is the narcotics arm of the New Bedford Police Department. Now, what brought this on? The the chief made the changes, and the chief... Uh, felt that uh, not because of any particular reason that I could sense, but he just believes in change for change's sake, uh, that every now and then you just got to change things around. All right, a little change of scenery for the police officers. That is correct, yeah. And this is highly specialized work, and um, a novice cannot just go in there and work in that unit. You've got to have some good training. So who uh, previously ran the unit? Uh, I mean, it's been a series of, of people who have gone to other high-profile jobs in the department. And including it, the chief? Including the chief. Um, uh, Steve Vincente ran the unit. Uh, he then went to uh, head of the major crimes unit, uh, which investigates all crimes of violence, homicides. Uh, he's since retired. Uh, Paul Oliveira. Uh, head of the unit. He is the deputy chief now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a it is a very productive unit. I've spoken to the DA's people, and uh, they the OCIB of all the drug units in Bristol County brings in by far the most money. Mm. There so was what does that no, mean? Well, that that means according to state law <clears throat> that. Uh, the, the, um, if a, there's a drug case in New Bedford, uh, let's say for easy math, uh, which I need, uh, they seize $2,000. Uh, and it's just the New Bedford Police Department involved. Now we're talking cash. We're talking cash, $2,000 okay. in cash. They seize X amount of drugs, but $2,000 in cash. Okay. So when the case is completed... Um, and that means there's a conviction. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, the, or the defendant agrees to forfeit the money. In, in, um, to reduce their sentence? Yes, uh, for reduced plea. Uh, so the DA's office will get 1000 of that 2000 and the um, New Bedford Police Department <clears throat> uh, will get the other 1000 what do they use the money for? Uh, the DA's office uses it for uh, community-based uh, programs. 
New Bedford is the DA, the DA's office has picked up a considerable uh, percentage of the tab for ShotSpotter, uh, New Bedford Police Department's acoustic um, uh, gunshot detection system. Um, the, they've also used that money for new equipment. They've uh, uh, developed a forensic lab at the DA's office for uh, testing uh, cell phones, um, <clears throat> getting the inform getting information off cell phones, uh, largely with that uh, drug forfeiture money. New Bedford uses it for equipment, walkie-talkies, um, any number of things. Uh, so just to put that in perspective, mm. in your story, mm. you had that from January to the end of February, the New Bedford police received uh, about a little bit more than $9,000. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's like I said, New Bedford, um, the New Bedford drug unit turns in the highest amount of any uh, police department in the Bristol County. I've been there. I did a story about a year ago about this whole process, and uh, that's what I was told. So can you tell us a little bit about who used to run the unit? Yeah, it's been Where a... Where did he go? Uh, it's uh, Sure, that would be Lieutenant uh, Bob Aguiar. He, uh, uh, I have an awful lot of respect for him, and um, I want to give him a, a just a major shout-out. Uh, uh, Bob is a is a superb investigator uh he's also a man who's honest uh, a man of integrity um in the years that he ran that unit uh i don't believe he was a penny short in what they seized um, i i think from what i understand that in all the years he's run it that he ran it they, he only had three complaints uh the other thing that's striking about it, Bob, and I don't mean to go on about him, <laughs> if he's hearing this, I'm probably embarrassed. He's probably embarrassed, but I do have a high opinion. Go uh, on. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's his courtroom testimony. is just superb. Uh, he waits for a question to be asked. He answers it. Uh, he doesn't elaborate. If there's a follow-up question, he'll wait for that que uh, follow-up question to be asked. That's hard to learn because your natural tendency is to answer the answer. It's to give an answer in full. He stops short and he waits for the next question to be asked. That is difficult. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you also said he had a, a good appearance. Oh, yes, he does. He looks professional uh, when he goes to court. Uh, uh, you would recognize that he's a police officer because he's hanging outside the courtroom with other police officers. But uh, he's he's dressed in a suit, you know. He he he's not in uniform. Uh, he's not um, he's not in uh, regular clothes. He, he he's very his appearance is is professional. So where is he now in the department? Uh, he's in uniform. I in the I can't remember if it's the north end or the south end station. I think he's going downtown, um, perhaps next month sometime. But, uh, I understand he's in a good place with the change. Nice. Yeah. So who's taking uh, who's taking over? Uh, so we have uh, a very good uh, uh, young investigator, uh, 37 years old. Uh, he's a lieutenant. 
uh, Justin uh, Kagan. Uh, he uh, he was in the drug unit for seven and a half years, served under two commanders. Uh, when he was in the drug unit, he had uh, many um, very good cases where he uh, either um, his his cases either produced a, uh, seized a lot of money or a lot of drugs. What else do you know about him? You said he's a young guy. Mm, Thirty-seven years old. Um, uh, he um, is working on his master's degree, um, and uh, he's got a um, an excellent. He's got the the faith of the chief. Uh, chief is wholeheartedly behind him. Chief told me that he had a good team before, and uh, he believes he has a good team now, and, and I believe it too. Uh, from I went into our archives, and um, Justin has got uh, has has had several outstanding cases, and and that's that's just really hard work, and, and, and in some ways, you um, it's very lucky because either you get a high amount of drugs and you usually don't get a lot of cash because they've spent the cash on uh, on drugs or you get a high amount of cash and uh, not too many drugs uh, which means that usually means they're in the process of reloading they say or you don't get that much cash at all or that much drugs at all because they're very smart. Drug dealers are very smart and they separate their drugs and money from their operations. And a lot of times the investigation doesn't go high enough so the the police department uh, learns the separate place for the stash. That sounds very complicated. Yes, it does. But So it, it can be a frustrating job. It can be a very frustrating job. And, and um, it is, in in some ways, well, you keep in mind that drug dealers are businessmen. Uh, Absolutely. And and um, they uh, getting arrested for that for many of them is an occupational hazard. Uh, you see in our paper over and over again, um, repeat drug offender. Uh, third time he was arrested. I mean, that tells you something that that. Drug dealers understand that it's uh, a game. It's it's a game, and that uh, they there's a very good chance that they're going to uh, get arrested. Uh, but there's a balance in their mind. I'm not justifying it of risk and reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they deal in a cash business. They don't pay taxes on that money. They don't pay Social Security uh, payments. They don't make any workers' comp payments. Uh, <laughs> It's it's all it's a cash business. Definitely not workers' comp. Definitely not workers' comp. So from a cop's perspective, yeah. it's got to be hard knowing you just made this bust, but now there's someone else in the wings ready oh. to swoop in. It's very true. The um, thing that I learned long ago is that uh, I'm not going to say where I. Uh, I not going to say where I learned this uh, or who told me it, but for every major bust is in many ways an economic opportunity for another drug dealer on the chain that mm-hmm. they can uh, swoop in 
take over somebody's territory, take over somebody's customers, take over somebody's uh, dealers. Um, uh, so it's it's very frustrating. You take one off the street, and within a month or two, somebody else is taking over that person's territory. Well, on that downer, yeah. um, let's try to turn it around a little bit. I thought it was interesting in the story, uh, we, you kind of got right to the heart of the mission of the unit. Yeah and how, what they believe, and this is quoting the deputy chief, mm-hmm. uh, the mission is to be relentless with drug dealers, yeah. but have an open mind when it comes to users. Mm. And I think that's a, a transformation. Uh, I, have been in, I have been covering that unit since the early 90s when I worked in Fall River. Um, Lieutenant uh, Mel Watton was the head of that. And this is the first time I have really heard it articulated. Uh, and I was very impressed that uh, there seems to be somewhat of a transformation that uh, that the, the, fo- the heavy focus is on dealers and the uh, lesser focus is on, on users, that they'll try to get uh, users uh, into rehab programs, into get them off uh, the drugs um, and toward a more productive life. One of the, some of the other things that uh, Lieutenant Kagan told me about himself, which I did not know, is that uh, he works in the, um, he works with the outreach workers, that he is, New Bedford has a uh, an outreach team that goes out six well, days a week. That's the team you went along with. I, I did, yeah. Okay. Uh, and they go out and they knock on the doors of uh, people who have recently overdosed and try to make a connection with them and uh, down the road get them into, um, get them to address uh, their drug problem, get them into recovery. And Justin told me that uh, he has gone out uh, with the outreach team. And in New Bedford, there's a plainclothes police officer, there is a minister, and there is a recovery coach. They go out in, in the, as a threesome into the community, and they knock on the doors um, of people who have recently had an overdose in a, an effort to establish a rapport with them. And Justin has done that. Uh, that's a little unusual. Um, he he's said, catching. So he's putting away the drug dealers, but then he's also mm-hmm. turning around and seeing the effects of the drugs and oh, trying to help those sure. customers. And uh, he told me that his two sergeants, um, uh, Andy Simmons and uh, Jonathan Lagore, have, uh, who are also excellent investigators, are, have done and are doing the same thing. So how important is that for them to go out and see that other side? I think it's extremely important. I think it uh, fuels their passion, um, intensity. There's drug. A lot of drug work is like watching paint dry. I mean, you've got to you've got to have eyeballs on a house, and uh, you've got to uh, follow a car because nowadays they. The drugs are being moved with what they call delivery services, and they're less of people, uh, of users going to a house and buying at the house. Now it's like order and takeout. The food comes to you. 
and and so and so you you, you got to have painstaking eyeballs on mm. and and you've got to identify them and then you're going to have painstaking eyeball uh, uh, eyes on them and then somehow some way you've got to get somebody close enough to tell you if there is uh, a separate place for the for the money and the drugs because you want to when you make that bus you want to get everything you possibly can and um so i covered uh, opioid task force meaning a um not this month last last month when this is in the when the battery was in the thrones of a a very sad period of a high number of overdoses a high number of overdose deaths and there are new crime analysts uh mentioned that he felt the tide was stemmed. Uh, in other words, the negative tide was stemmed uh, because the drug unit made uh, several uh, major uh, bus of drug delivery services. So that's a definite cause and effect. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little silver lining there. Yes, it is. So you also mentioned... What's a, what's a key a skill that you have to have in this in the to be a part of the drug unit when it comes to you had mentioned before about search and seizure hmm. you have to be a real expert you, you have to have a good strong working knowledge and you you, you can't take a law textbooks with you you got to know it you either know it or you don't know it the other thing is you've got to have a passion for drug work uh it's it's a subset of police work um it's one of the most important ones um i mean the things they see the the uh, houses and the places that they go are are they go to tough neighborhoods you know they um they wear vests they um have to deal with uh, aggressive dogs. They've got to deal with aggressive people. Um, there, there's any number of ways where they can mess up, um, uh, and so they have to be very careful. Plus, they got to protect each other. Yeah. The, at the end of the day, the most important thing is to come home. Absolutely. Every law enforcement officer would tell you that. That is a tough job. It sure is, yes. Yeah, it sure is. Um, and like I said, you've got to have a, a passion for it. And um, I, I, I know Justin does. I know uh, Andy Simmons. I know he's a superb investigator. I, I don't know Jonathan that well, but I know everybody I know speaks very highly of him. Is there a lot of turnover in the drug unit? Uh, I do not think so. Um, I have not seen a this lot. This is a dedicated team. Uh, team is the right word, and they work as a team. If you look through the court documents on any case, there is a, a meeting prior to a, a drug raid where all the individual pieces of the raid are assigned to different people. Uh, one officer uh, has takes the inventory of product and money, as well as uh, drug paraphernalia, the number, the cell phones, the the glassine bags, the anything that they seize. Uh, somebody else has the breaching tools, if they uh, if have to do that. Um, uh, it's a very well organized operation, and and historically, uh, OCIB has done that very well. 
Well, on that note. On that note. Yes. Thank you for joining us today at Courtside with Kurt. And if you want to know more about the uh, the new unit and the change-ups, not new unit, but new mm-hmm. leadership, uh, just come on to uh, southcoasttoday.com, and you can look up Kurt's story. It's also on our Facebook page. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Thank you, Kurt. Have a good weekend, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.